Is in her seat? Never mind.
<laughs> Hello. Oh, yeah. Hello. How's everybody doing? Welcome to Therapy of the Absurd, episode 52. Woo! Backwards. <laughs> Sorry, we're back. Wow. What's up? <laughs> and we have an amazing guest with us tonight and lots of fun stuff to talk about. But first, how's uh, how's everybody's week going? Wonderfully. I'm having a great week. I am caffeinated. I didn't take a nap this week, um, and I drank yerba mate, so I am very excited. I was able to shampoo my hair, grease my scalp, and um, I'm sitting with my heated blanket right now, living, just living my best life. I'm in a great mood, and this is what caffeine does to me. Very nice. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Um, it's been a it's been an interesting week. It's actually um it's had some moments. Um, I've just been trying to lean in to um all good things and good teachings to help me move forward and continue adulting because otherwise it feels like adulting sucks. But I know that the first step to adults adult adulting not sucking is to not think that it does. So I've got to uh, clean up wax on wax off my thoughts so it's been that kind of week where i've been cleaning up my thoughts that's all i can say as i'm now trying to get my hair from not taking off like a jet plane okay <laughs> very nice uh let's see what have i been doing hmm. Hmm. <laughs> well i did trade in a lot of movies i did do that <laughs> back one day you said trade them in what does that mean oh yeah uh well because i got a lot of stuff on digital so i need no oh, need okay. to keep both both of them you know just condense right. make some space make some space gotta um, do the same i'm here for it oh yes <laughs> and then you know uh clean up around the house and all that fun stuff i can't complain too much i mean there's a lot of stuff i gotta catch up on um that i'm really excited to you know watch and stuff especially the comedy stuff you know what michael right. shay's new stand-up special mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of them. the devil, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. So I, I finally one. dug into um, Netflix is a joke radio. Oh, oh, <coughs> on X. I'm sorry. Oh, bless you. All right. Um, and that was fun. That made my day. That was interesting to hear because all of the stations are grouped together. So oh. there's Netflix is a joke. Then there's great comics, Comedy Central, and then Kevin Hart, like all four, 93, 94, 95, and 96. They're all oh, like perfect. back to back. Wow. So I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just when you were talking about that, like I was like getting comedy was coming at me as I was driving. You know. Oh, I remember now. I got my booster. Oh, did you? Yeah. I uh I, I did a I did a mixed cocktail, if you will. <laughs> Which ones did you get? I got and when the, did you get the shot? Two Moderna and I got my Pfizer. Okay. You got, so you can we can boost with five we can boost yep um, you can mix oh you can make a cocktail okay they say that like if you got Pfizer <laughs> it's good if you get Moderna oh because it it covers more um, oh. even Johnson and Johnson but you know I I'd be like sometimes they just be making stuff up. They'd be like, we got like 30 Moderna, 30 million Moderna, we got like one million Pfizer. Okay, listen, y'all, mix it. Just that's right, that's right. And if we're turning into monsters, like, I guess I'm like, this is not a cocktail, or is it? Or it, that's I mean, right. Just, I think it. It. well, Stephen still looks like normal. Did you, get it, Stephen? What, did you get it today? 
Oh no, I got it on Tuesday. I got it on Tuesday. Did you and get this, uh, felt a little off, not too bad. And then my daughter got her first. Uh, she got her first um, uh, Pfizer also. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh. it's going to hurt. I'm like, no, it's okay. going to be a little pinch, a little pinch. Let me know when he does it. Okay. <laughs> He's off. Did he do it? Yeah. Okay. You're done. <laughs> oh, it went that easily? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's all it's all up here, man. It's a psych out. <laughs> I watched The View and Gavin Newsom was on there yesterday. I always watch the rerun from the prior day. He actually mm-hmm. said that in Cali, 93% of adults have already at least gotten one dose of the vaccine, which I feel like we could be proud of. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. he said that our he said compared to Florida oh, and how they handle it per capita, they have fifty percent more debts. Oh yeah, because pe- yeah. Go ahead. Wow. No, I was just gonna say because people don't want to just you know get the shit over with. They just, just want to do the tomfoolery, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> polio and is the real. Made, polio was fake. <laughs> right. And Gavin Newsom made some really tough decisions early on and throughout the pandemic. But at the end of the day, like the numbers don't lie. You know, it's some people, you know, want to wear a condom and some people don't. And the ones that do don't have to wonder nine months later. Right. Right. (laughs) Is it my baby? Is it my baby? Like that uh, thing with uh, what is it? um, Cat Williams. He's all in jail. (laughs) He's behind the screen. Now, I know that one's my baby, (laughs) but that one is not my baby. (laughs) Can I tell y'all, I know we're not, I don't want to get too far, but that clip, like I saw that clip before Tiffany Haddish was famous. Oh, yeah. And then I saw it again. It's, you know, it's circling. It came, I was like, oh my God, that's Tiffany Haddish. Like, like the whole oh, yeah. time. Darren, don't, don't be playing. That is your baby. That baby already got good credit. That baby already got a credit score of 800, whatever he says. I, that's my favorite line. He's from the land of Caucasus. <laughs> Look at the mountains. <laughs> there is a very powerful oh. uh cat williams clip uh him and uh larry king floating around on instagram oh, yes. i just saw it it's have good. y'all seen it the little, oh yeah those questions. yeah very nice good stuff what's the best part about being a celebrity nothing like um, everybody yeah. wants some especially <laughs> not with his demeanor like cat william has a certain temperament Mm-hmm. Certain people have a better temperament to deal with fame and being right. recognized by the public. He seems he like it. somebody that is very discerning and, you know, of people. And he kind of likes to keep his circle small and he seems kind of private, too. And so oh, yeah. for him, fame probably just took all the fun out of making money. Oh, I right. think if he can make the money, do his comedy, do his stand-up, and then live anonymously, he would probably be in heaven. Oh, yeah. Um, A friend of mine dated him. A friend of mine dated him very briefly. She was just saying, to your point of, you know, private, small circle, whatever. But, um, I mean, she didn't didn't say much or whatever, and that's been a a while. But I just remember I was really surprised by it all, like, that she was dating him. And I, I actually also had one of my students which I want to check on her because I don't know if it was, if it was going so well for her, but she was his assistant for a while. That didn't, based on the things that she was saying, looks on her face, it didn't seem like it was going well. And I just wanted to say blink twice if you're okay. You know, like I was very <laughs> concerned. I didn't know what to do. Um, and um, and then like some other, but, but my student obviously was a younger woman. So, you know, I feel like 
you know, this may not have been a fit. And then my girl, my good girlfriend is a little close to my age. Very yeah. separate incidences, but just interesting. But I think it's, but I get the impression in general, it's like you said, that kind of fame ruins it all. He would just rather be able to tell jokes on a large scale, you know, take down arenas, do that, but then not have to deal with the rest. Whatever, yeah, whatever's attached to it. I guess we won't be surprised if we see Cat Williams living on a remote island half of the year like Lenny Kravitz. Having right, him a right. farm in Brazil. Yeah, hey, so. man. That's, that, you know, that, that extra stress. Nobody wants that extra stress that comes with a lot of that stuff, you know? It's stressful when you're struggling to get the money, and then once you got the money, it's stressful because everybody, uh, everybody wants a piece. <laughs> And everything you do and say is under a microscope, and you oh, have to yeah. be you like, even, yeah, you can't even Just be a human anymore. Spine. Yep, mm -hmm. Every, everybody's like, Oh, he said that. Oh, the world's over, man. World's over. <laughs> <laughs> when, like it, most of the time if you just like so many stories came out of Oprah she never responded and it seems to be the best strategy mm -hmm. oh yeah it oh, is yeah. I think it is I agree now interestingly enough as we talk about comedians um there is I don't know if you guys you know and we talked you know about comedians but there's a dispute right now um if you are looking for any of your favorites now I was on XM but if you're looking for any of your favorites favorites at Spotify you're going to be ass out. I don't really know another way to say that. Um, so there's a publishing company called Spoken Giants that manages the publishing for like a lot of our favorites. Um, Tiffany Haddish, Lewis Black, Jeff Foxworthy, all the way down to like Bob Hope, Lucille Ball. And oh, they wow. got into, they've been beefing with Spotify over publishing and royalties like for a few months. Mm -hmm. And so just before Thanksgiving, all of those folks' albums, anybody public managed their publishing managed by Spoken Giants was taken down because basically, and I like the way um I love Vulture. Like I have, I feel like I have a love-hate relationship. I think Vulture is a great um media outlet, but because they explain things, but then sometimes they get into the whatever. So they I love the way they explain it. They said, like, imagine you've got a side hustle working for a massive corporation from which you get an income that's not great, but it's at least mm -hmm. consistent. Then you find out you're actually supposed to be making more. So you're also owed some back pay for the work you've done. So you go to the company and you say to them, hey, um, there's an issue with what you owe me. We need to talk about this. And then the company then says, look, we don't owe you that money. And now we're not going to pay you at all until this gets figured out. And that's pretty much Spotify's position with Spoken Giants and the folks that, you know, that's represent. crazy. Wow. I thought you were going to say, and that's pretty much working in corporate America. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I feel like every job I done ever worked. Like, oh, yeah. No, but, you mean, know, yeah. Prince, Prince went through a lot, you know. Right. That's right. Uh, People don't want, it's the same with uh, Chappelle said, you know, pe uh, people don't want to, they call you the talent. Mm, right. Yeah, they're not trying to call, you know, you the artist or whatever it is <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it's uh kind of like those uh, the rapper who i was talking about before when uh, he was telling people you need to get auditors because people yeah. people uh people hiding your shit <laughs> right and in they're this case make money but they're gonna take it <laughs> and in this case it's interesting because part of the dispute is that comedians are not just the performers, but they write for themselves. So there's mm -hmm. a, a royalty rate that should be paid to them as a writer and as a performer. Yep. Spotify doesn't want to pay both. both. And, and and I'm like, I'm not mad at that because for example, like let's just take music, Justin Timberlake. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You know, he may get his performance royalties, but whoever Timberland, whoever, you know, has written and, and produced, they get their money too. Like to me, it's unfair to penalize someone for being the performer, the artist and the writer. And that's mm. what it sounds like mm. um, Spotify is trying to do. And I, I so, you know, you know, I stand with, of course, because and this company represents, po they represent everybody spoken on the spoken word side. Um, you know, oh. so it's just interesting. I feel like artists are always having to fight. And in this case, you're having to fight two fronts, being an artist and for your royalty rates as a writer. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, uh, mm, mm. trying to, you're messing with people's money. <laughs> Ultimately, that's People what it boils down to. Yeah. Well, you know yeah. the funny <laughs> thing about um, capitalism, right, is that that's its nature, to get the very most um, resources in with the very least resources out. And right, so it's right. like, you know, you start, if you start just wanting to be an accountant, you're going to do an internship and they're going to basically make you do all this work and not pay you. Right. Robbing you blind. But that's the, the way the system works until you get your own and you start working for them and you're being underpaid for the value you bring. And then you finally own your own stuff. And then you start really generating the income you own. And so I feel like artists got to do the same thing in the beginning. Like if you really want to make it big, you may have to pay your dues initially, but as you move up, make sure you're moving towards full ownership of everything you do so you can truly get what you deserve because we live in a capitalist system and it sucks. Like we are running with a wagon with two wheels off. Okay. But play with the rules of the game you in. And on I, that, what are you gonna say? Oh, no, I was just going to say on that note, uh, those out there, uh, we want to ask you a quick question, uh, you know, how much would you pay uh, to watch uh, Spider-Man? Would you pay $10,000? Speaking of would a you... capitalist system, that <laughs> a system that that overvalues and underpays. Um, I, and I, we definitely want to know, because I like I, I just want to say this, too. It, when, I, when I hear this whole thing, I think, too, what, a couple of things to consider, especially since we're in such a great time. Capitalism, to me, is capitalism and democracy are two ideologies that can build a system, but they can't sustain a system. And I think even though people do go by the axiom of artists having to pay their dues, I think we're challenged in the way in the ways that you want to get art out to massive audiences. So the goal is to try to to get as much as you can out of the system with as, with as little cost, a little you know, a little sacrifice, and not in a bad way because you've made the art. But I think that we get into these challenges because once it takes on a valuation outside of you and you get to the masses and other hands get in the pot, that's where the problem comes. Because I don't think, I mean, I know we're a long way from it. I don't necessarily think like artists have to per se pay dues, but in this system, there isn't another way around it. But I'm like so many, I think the system is flawed. So we have these survivalist axioms that exist but we're, because we're having to survive a flawed system. And mm. and, and that's just what I, I think, I, I you know, I wish we, they're, they're, it just is what it is. Like we talked about the gun stuff a few days ago. Yeah, Amendment 2 works because we all lived a million miles apart and we didn't, you know, we, and, 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 uh, and there weren't AK, you know, there weren't AR-15s and all you're trying to do is protect lands. That Amendment 2 doesn't work when we're right up against each other in metropolises, in cities. And so it's the same for capitalism mental democracy it works because you were trying to build a nation and so but i mean and here's the thing and and you and you justified you know this this horror slavery 
you know, again, low cost, no cost, you know, whatever. And I feel like you all haven't strayed far from the premise of paying the worker, the person who creates the least, and then trying to, you know, built a whole billion, not, not just a company, but industries. Cotton is an industry. Tobacco is an industry. Do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, and I think it's the same for the music, but anyway, I know we got, we got, we got <laughs> but let us know in the audience, if you would pay yes. 10 to $23,000 to watch Spider-Man on the first day, instead of just waiting a day or two, like we, we want right. to, so <laughs> we want to, do you, can, can you do it? <laughs> yeah. But we're going to bring up a very good guest and friend. Uh, who I've met at the, let me see if I'm saying this correctly, the Dow Comedy Studio. Did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Woo! I, I got know, it. I'm not qualified. I got oh, it. I know Dow. I know that word. Okay. <laughs> With the amazing Bobby Oliver. Yes. I have um, to try to break my break the habit of saying Tao also by saying Dow. So I've got, I, I slow down. It's like I slow down like I'm landing a plane. Complete stop. Dow. <laughs> Um, and she's also written two books, uh, Intact and Dreamwalking, and she does comedy, and she's here to uh, have a very fun and interesting conversation with us. Let's welcome Sasha Kildare. Sasha. Hi, Sasha. Hello, hello. How are you doing this evening? <laughs> I have to uh, confess that this like um, virtual thing Makes me so nervous. Oh, you'll Rest be fine. As you'll opposed fine. to in person. You'll be fine. Wow. <laughs> you'll be fine. Well, thank you for sharing that. And we are going to hold the space for your nervousness. <laughs> We're going to have a nervous interview and it's going to be so much fun. Yes. <laughs> and oh, I, I, I have to throw in something out of the music industry. I got to share with you the most important thing I learned in college. Ooh. The definition of a writer. Mm. A laptop and a working spouse. <laughs> I have a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a trip. The whole, um, especially the fiction thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, writer, writers and just artists in general, man, you have to deal with so much just to break through or. <sighs> you know <laughs> um and you got you know listening to you got me thinking because um you know i'm not <laughs> newsflash i'm not 26 anymore um so like what's most important to me now um my kids my daughter just went to college my son's in college is yeah. really sharing my message it's not even like i i've i've had professional jobs i freelance i like but it's just, you know, reaching my audience and sharing my message, which I don't think exactly is out there about, um, well, I'm not a PhD. So the way I write is just more accessible and the humor and all that. Mm -hmm. um, that mental health, like Simone Biles said, mental health is physical health. Well, mental health is a lot of things. It's it's our nutrition, it's our culture, it's our temperament, it's our, you know, the way we process. Um, and nutrition is actually a bigger part than we realize. It's our movement, just it's it, trauma. Like now there's a lot more research on trauma and how it um, changes the pathways and, and just what to do about it. And it's just, you know, I had a horrendous experience from uh, when I went away to college scholarship 
you know, ended up, uh, <laughs> uh, I ended up uh, right after my 18th birthday um, in a mental hospital. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I think I was hospitalized seven or eight times before I got uh, proper medical care, did not have insurance. Mm. And the only way I got proper medical care was like, I didn't plan it this way, but I actually was finally found a major that I had a little dyslexia, you know, journalism. Oh, I love that. Like it was new, 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 like, Oh wow. Just dive in. And then the next story, it cured my writer's block. Was, I loved it. And I was doing great. I was going to be entertainment editor um, at the Cal State Long Beach newspaper, just doing fantastic. But I went to visit my grandmother mm -hmm. in New York where I'm from and walked into a record store and um, moved in with the guy I met there two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. That didn't go so well, hence the homeless part. Oh. And um, just dropped out of school just like that. And uh, a social worker, I didn't even, I got on a plane to go home. And this is after school had started, so I'd already blown that off. And I swear, like something inside me said, you can't do this because it was a horrible situation I was going back to in terms of where I was living. I walked off the plane and you know, the plane was about to start and just the look on my face, the sort of said, okay, you can leave <laughs> um, to be on the street. No, I got back together with a guy for a few days and then on the street and a social worker tricked me. She said, I have a place for you <laughs> in a shelter. She said, let me drive you there. Oh, wow. She took me to the back of the hospital. I did not know I was going into a hospital. And she walked me in, they closed the door and then she left and she goes, don't worry if you don't like it, you can go someplace. I mean, I got tricked and then I got, uh, it was free. <laughs> it Bellevue oh. public hospital. Wow. I don't know if they still are completely like they take anyone at the time, like mm -hmm. anyone. And I was there a few months and wraparound treatment. I got job training. I got therapy for the first time and blah, blah, blah. But anyhow, the, it like, that was so random. And that's what upsets me to this day that mm. I was so functional and then I was so dysfunctional with the drugs and everything. And then randomly somebody tricked me into treatment and, and good treatment. Mm. And I've never been back to the hospital. I well, got out on my 27th birthday. Well, thank you for sharing that too. Cause you know, it takes bravery to share stuff like that. That's not easy to, you know, share. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, well, it helps that my daughter just turned 18. So there, Yay. there were, I had, a I had a book. Well, I had a, a really good agent years ago and it became a custody issue and I let it go and I wrote a novel <laughs> and, um, now there's no more custody issues. Marriage, uh, divorce and child, uh, stuff. That's, uh, that's hardcore shit. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't i mean that's why the comedy to me like i i think most people that are creative tend to overthink mm. you know that rumination and um and like you couldn't make something really good with kind of without kind of overthinking it like, you know, when you, there's no such thing as writing, it's rewriting. So you're like always like chiseling away, chiseling away. And the, the thing about comedy is like when you write, right? Mm -hmm. Like your audience is out there somewhere. But when you do comedy, they're right there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so cool. 
like, oh, they're laughing, yay. Um, <laughs> and it's also, it gives for me what it's done, it's been since 2006, what it's done is it gives me that comedic lens. Like mm. when somebody treats you really, really crappy, like, you know, wow, like you can just, you really, you know, in your head, you can, you really, um, you know, did that. Um, like I had a job recently for two months and <laughs> it was a teaching job. I Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I'm no longer there. <laughs> yeah. It was right after COVID. And I mean, <laughs> this is how bad it was. The woman who ran the clubs did a little newsletter and she dissed me in print. Oh, wow. She said, oh, Miss Faynor, I have two names. Um, you know, I have <laughs> the the... Uh, comedy and the writing name and then the legal name mm -hmm. and she said and her classes are off the hook but that's another story i'm like oh, what is that that sounds like a backhanded compliment like i don't even like, <laughs> like, I, and then the guy who was the dean um so this is the thing with these charter schools they just hire people pay them what they will and they can he was just coming and going and i know that because he'd come to my class do i have anyone's phone because i gotta go he was a ref too i'm like Right. And he was, he insulted me several times in front of everyone. I'm like, where am I? I've been, you know, I've been in three school districts before that. I never had anything like that happen. Wow. Um, interesting. I worked at, I worked at one, uh, at two different sites. I understand just, it's a, yeah, it's a different. Is, is any of that in your book uh, for no, Intech or since, Dreamwalking? No, that is since the book. But, but what I'm saying is one of the ways that helped me deal with it Mm. I haven't like really done bits with it where I, cause believe me, there's so much material there in two months, <laughs> you know, the, the principal after school on my time, right. I had 30 minutes bell to bell to eat, mm -hmm. go to the bathroom, get water, set up. I never experienced this. So um, I had a this important medical appointment, a diagnostic test and like to get an end of the day, one can take months. And he held me to, you know what he was talking to me about? Uh, you know, um, Miss Kildare, like, I gotta tell you, the maintenance man, there's like paper specs on your carpet, no good. Like, <laughs> the principal's coming to my room, holding me from a medical appointment that if I don't get to on time, I will take months. And the this is okay, so this is God, sorry, throw a God, but. So on the way there, I was so shaken because if I didn't get that appointment mm -hmm. um, and it was an important diagnostic appointment, I'm being evaluated for something, um, then I would have to wait like a month and they wanted mm. me to have it, whatever. So then I'm driving and I'm telling my friend about this and I mentioned the principal's name and guess, because I was already within one month, I was looking for another job. So guess what happened? This never happened to me before. Your talk texting, the text went to him. Oh, <gasps> but I was looking for another job. Oops. Payback. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, no. <laughs> so that's because, so that's why I'm not there anymore. But the, it was just so oh. funny. I was meant somebody oh. above did, did not want me. Cause, mm -hmm. um, you know, I had an eating disorder as well as overeating. I would undereat, and I can get into that rigid discipline mm -hmm. and, you know, I can't diet. I will, I could really get sick if, cause I can, I overdo it. And so, because I couldn't go to the bathroom all day, what can happen? Cause I used to have bladder infections. The doctor said, you gotta go. I stopped, I just shut my body down subconsciously. Mm. And I was worried about that happening again. Um, it was, it was awful. 
Um, so anyhow, I like to be able to laugh about it. Mm. Yeah. Like really, really helps. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about what brought you into comedy and uh, what's comedy, uh, you know, how comedy makes you feel. Um, so the, the food thing. Um, so I, uh, one of the things about being the hospital, I got time to reflect, uh, when I was 26 and I had like real doctors, not, you know, and so I said, you know, I think these, um, tranquilizers, like, I think they like trigger my drug use. And they said, okay, like, if you can sleep through the night, we'll take you off that. And so that was my horrible drug years were 19 through 26. Um, every summer, nobody bothered to tell me when you when you have uh, the bipolar vulnerability, depression, whatever, that circadian rhythm summers like that, you know, the days are longer. I didn't have as much structure, blah, blah. So that mm -hmm. was that. But my food nonsense started when I was five. A lot of, you know, violence in my childhood. My mom died when I was young, um, when I was three. And so I got past like the really dangerous part of it. But um, I would go on all these diets and I would gain tons of weight and then lose tons of weight. And I wanted to have a second child and I was running out of time and every, oh, in vitro, in vitro. I'm like, uh, it's expensive. And with my hormonal shakiness, I don't think it's a good idea. They trick your body into being pregnant. So yeah, I, you know, I'm a little miss journalist here, never full-time, but done part-time since college, done stories here and there. Um, and I looked it up and it was like, uh, <laughs> gaining and losing weight, uh, like 30 pounds up and down every year, not good for your hormones. Mm. like really for your and especially your reproductive so i made a pact with the universe and um i'd been in narcotics anonymous and i'd been in overeaters anonymous but i hadn't with the overeaters anonymous i had never like i just because it, anyhow i just said i gotta change so um i gave up sugar and white flour and a lot of processed foods and i changed the way i ate and stabilized my weight Mm. And I never went back. And I have an 18-year-old daughter. Um, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and so the interesting thing about that was, it that was when I really went through, like, after the hospital, I became functional and stable. But emotionally, mm -hmm. it wasn't until, I mean, that was, it was riveting to change the way I ate. And oh, my gosh. And then I came back to myself. And I was writing, I was writing screenplays at the time. That's how I really learned how to write fiction. Um, and I uh, was in this writing group and somebody said, you write like a stand-up. Oh, and I went I to a writing that. conference, the Irma Bombeck. I don't know, ah. uh, still have it in Ohio, Irma Bombeck, every two wow. years, wonderful writing conference. Wow. And I had a mentor on the online writing group and he um, dared me to do the show that he was hosting. And I did it. And that was in 2006. And, you know, writing beat some of my former addictions. Now, if I could only become addicted to marketing, I might actually sell something. Um, so then that was like, I realized now that was my first time on stage since I slept through a dance concert at 18. And I just, I just loved it. And I ended up writing, like going in a little different direction but the comedy 
just uh, for three years, actually, honestly, for three years, I was just so sick. I'm not very literary and I kept getting turned down with literary journals. And so I just did comedy and I was doing shows for three years. Um, and since then, I the shows take time, you know, because um, I was up to like 15, 20. Um, it takes time. And I just, I still do, open mics are so available in Southern California and some really good ones with people who are doing shows. So you're with, you know, you're being entertained and it's close. And I really found, found it cathartic because when I gave up the food, I just became a lot more um, raw. Mm. Uh, <laughs> just felt things more deeply. Mm. So... Mm. It just, it just really helps. Um, yeah. And so now the writing that I do is I do some mental health journalism. I've done that for 10 years for a couple of publications that are, you know, uh, what's the word? Niche mag niche mental health magazines, but oh, they're nice. Congrats. Uh, BP magazine and Esperanza and they're um, what's the word? I, I can't think of the word, but anyhow, they have high standards, high editorial standards. Mm. So I get to interview some of the top experts in the world and it's wow. just so inspiring. And I blog for them too, but that's like, just, you know, when I'm up to it. Um, and then the book, yeah, I have big plans for the book <laughs> <laughs> because it's memoir information guide, some poetry, some comedy. Um, but it's really make it accessible. Like mm -hmm. I want to speak to colleges and rehabs about make it funny, but also like the, just the complexity of it. And you are what you do and changing your habits can really help. Like there's no, for me, there was no one thing. Exercise mm -hmm. is huge. My blood sugar stable is huge sleep, but um, just the empowerment aspect of it. And that also you do kind of have to hit the library or talk to people and find out we're all a little different. Um, yeah, that's good that you're you're uh, putting a lot of this stuff out. It helps people, you know, it helps other people to kind of talk about it, too. You know, well, I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pissed. What the hell? I mean, yeah. I got lucky. Other people aren't getting lucky. And then yeah. I taught elementary school. Now having taught high school for a few years, I'm like, what the, what's going on here? Yeah. Okay. This dude, I should, I'm bad with names. I'm going to read his book, but he said, okay, for, you know, black Americans, this is what you need to do. We need to teach phonics, get rid of the war on drugs and put back vocational education. And I'm really huge on vocational Educate, but not just like at 16, say go. Like in Europe, you can go at 16, but like have the culture where you know that skilled trades, like we need with the wind energy, that skilled trades are necessary and they're vital, and that maybe that's your thing, you know, and that you can succeed and support yourself. Like Shakespeare, come on, like not everybody's for Shakespeare. So what the, you know, I, when I went to college, I didn't major in English because I was in, I was tortured. I read Tolstoy when I was like 14. I like Tolstoy. I do not like James Joyce, you know, and I saw it in these kids' faces with mm -hmm. some of the stuff. They're like, there's the same books when I was in high school. Yeah, 30 mm -hmm. years, what the, so. Um, I, I, I think what you say is just so powerful. Like, um. 
I believe, um, and I wish I knew the the person who you know gave this kind of formula for overcoming. Um, I I believe in vocational ed for a different reason, but I I think that and this is just me. I'm very different. I think that the university experience and the college experience should be shaped very differently. I think that um, for like like people who want to be dermatologists and you, you're going to medical school, but I still think you should you should go work with an esthetician. You should go work in places where you're hands-on. And so I don't necessarily, I don't see vocational ed and university as an either or. I think it's a both and because I believe that vocational ed offers context and texture to what you can do. The great, the guy um, who has the win, hey, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, um, I can't, I don't know why I can't think of his name. He has this product line called Win W-E-N, and he was probably one of the first first or second to come with this this condition wa conditioning washing kind of thing because he was he was working in a salon he became famous for doing color but realized quickly that women who got color from him one week were back in the next week because as soon as they washed their hair one time their color was already fade you know fading oh, wow. so he had the idea and he had the realization that something in shampoo, the sulfates are stripping your color. So people are paying a lot for these color jobs, but your color job should last more than a week. But ultimately that is chemistry and that is chemistry at the highest levels. But he didn't have to have a chemistry degree to understand what was happening. And now he's got this million billion dollar product line but I think somebody like that, I'm not saying that he, he should have, in addition, gone to college. I'm talking about somebody who dropped out of high school. But I feel like in this country in particular, we sell, we sell the idea of university and vocational as these separate things. Because I'm sure any chemist understands that, but without doing hair, they don't understand what's happening. They look at it as a chemical equation compared to a woman coming in and out with her colors. So... Like, I think that's an interesting thing. And, and and again, to your point about like all these greats, you look at someone, um, August Wilson, who's a great African-American playwright, um, has lived and died, has written some of the most um, iconic work, of, uh, playwright work, a cycle of 10 plays in the African-American community, but never read Shakespeare, refused because he felt <laughs> like he didn't want to define that as a standard for his work. And I feel like that's where one thing gets in the way of the other. So I think that vocational ed is absolutely necessary and should be lifted up, but I don't think it should be to the exclusion of the of the quote unquote college side. But I think on the college side, we've got to, we've got to move the needle forward beyond Tolstoy and James Joyce. You've got to make this still information and things that people can connect with. Well, um, but it's just make, very powerful what you said. To make it more, I mean, there are emerging authors from all over the world that are relevant you know, and that was when I taught elementary, like I couldn't take the reading because it had nothing to do with any of, I was teaching Wilmington, any of them. But what you're talking about is like, um, also we don't have apprenticeships, apprenticeships here. They, mm -hmm. I heard on the radio, uh, they were talking about, well, hotel management, for example, in Europe, you have like one year of instruction and you're an apprentice and then you're, you, you mm -hmm. are managing a hotel. And here they said after four years, you know, you don't even have that experience. Right. So, yeah, we need apprenticeships. And then in high school, they have something called project-based learning where you solve yep. a problem in the community mm -hmm. and it, it integrates different, you know, math. Mm -hmm. I teach too. I teach too. I've taught. Oh, okay. 
I taught, I've taught and I, I teach math. I teach chess. My degree is in math. And I'm I, I'm actually building right now. I'm in the middle of building an enrichment program for a, a kindergarten and a first grader. And we're developing a project based um, kind of. OK, right. For them, for the, for these two little ones, because that's, you know, their, their parents want more than just the reading, writing, arithmetic that they're getting in the classroom. So project based learning, I definitely think is the best of all worlds. If more people would do it and do it more consistent, you know, and we could find we could make it a more standardized model across this country. And they're talking about with like cybersecurity, we have a tremendous need more so than other countries and wind energy. Forget the four year have like a combination apprenticeship and, uh, you know, a JC. Um, so it's a big business education here. Um, and I see like if you're starting and you're getting disconnected because you're more of a hands-on or whatever kind of learner you are or however, that, right. in high school, I just see that escalating. Um, and the yeah. first year I was in the high school, they had the dogs sniffing the drugs. The second year, no, because guess what? The pens with the THC and the perfumes, <laughs> you know, so, so these kids are, you know, getting, um, you know, alienated, like the kind of at a young age. So like, I don't know. I, I, that's why I have to laugh. And I agree with both of you. Um, wonderful educators. Um, cause what you do is important. And I do think that trade school needs to be honored because if nothing else, just so you have a side hustle and you have a business that you can actually be an entrepreneur for, but you know, I also agree, you know, as a college student, um, not right now, but I went to college. <laughs> One of the main things that I learned that was different from high school was how to question and how to not just accept everything as it's given. We had to take a critical reading class. where We read um, philosophers and we would have to get to the bottom of what they're saying. And we were graded on how we were able to analyze and prove our point. So it gives that extra layer um, of I think every American at this stage needs to be able to take what's given to them as far as information, truly analyze it, truly question it, and be able to back up their points with facts. So I, I do believe there's certain aspects of college that really make somebody a better citizen it's, as oh. far as learning about how the system works, learning about true history, American history, you know, and also just learning about how to critically think and how to analyze and be able to back up so but i i am all for trace i wish i could have went to cosmetology school instead of accounting school okay like i, I would <laughs> much rather be doing hair and nails than doing people's books but it does pay the bills and honestly if i could go back to cosmetology school right now and it didn't cost a ton i would do it and i would be doing books and hair Books in here. Books, you know, actually, um, the CSU system has expository reading and writing curriculum. It's a 12th grade class. They have modules for the younger. And it does exactly what you just said, but it is not across California. But the curriculum is there. I was trained in it. I was able to do that one year. And I loved it because mm -hmm. it gave students those skills. Are they talking to your pathos, emotion, logos, logic, ethos? What are they appealing to? And you know, what is their proof? Does it hold up? How do you, you know, how do you um, really research something? Because it's, you know, the sources on the internet, it's tricky. Um, and that is wonderful. I wish, and they have modules now through seventh grade and a lot of teachers are using them. Um, mm -hmm. 
but it's just i mean the other thing that really bugs me is every time i see i just like silver linings the movie and the the one where she was a secret agent about the bipolar they're always like still blowing up you know they're just extreme and there are many many people that's why i liked it's had many names manic depression bipolar disorder blah, blah. i prefer bipolar depression because it is um for me it was an outlet of my depression i had mixed episodes i didn't have true many blah 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 but um there are people that are stable for years and years mm. you, know, you have to live us i have to live a certain way i can't go on these crazy diets i need my sleep i i have to exercise it's just the you know but there are many people like me or where they do have episodes, but they deal with them, but they're not these dramatic, like the guy on Silver Linings, he's throwing things and smashing things. Oh, the movie Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, I'm like, that's Good all movie. I've seen. I've never seen a character that isn't that isn't like that. Um, Jane Pauley, bless her heart. Like she was outspoken about her whole journey and she did it achieve stability and she had which isn't terribly uncommon in i think um she was in her late 40s when some proce medical procedure triggered it mm. um but so i don't know you gotta laugh <laughs> yeah we all do so we have a question we've asked the audience and we're going to ask everyone here tonight we're going to put it up real quick bam would you pay $10,000 to watch the new Spider-Man movie? So who wants to go first? I'll Easily go first. No. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm um, finished. I'm finished. Okay. Go ahead, um, Unequivocally, indubitably, no. Um, no. <laughs> I think if they paid me ten grand, I would watch it. <laughs> You're like, they got to pay If me. they paid you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There you I, go. I, that sounds like a better I, deal. Yeah. Hey, my father, when I was young, you know, single dad, I went everywhere. I went on his dates. I went to the movie, saw The Godfather when I was nine, eight, five. I don't know. And he he taught me, he goes, listen, if you don't like a movie, walk out because your time is more valuable than the ticket you paid. Mm -hmm. So it is. I'm very picky with movies. Nice. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. I, I don't know, man. It, it shocks me that there's actually people making bids on the ten thousand dollar tickets, nobody's making them on the biggest one though. The biggest one is twenty three thousand um, oh, dollars. But but the fact that people are even making bids on ten thousand dollar tickets to me is just damn Capitalism. hilarious. Stephen, yeah. they were rich. They are rich. They're filthy rich. They don't got nothing to do with their money. They was like, you they know what? I'm tired of using this for toilet paper. Let me get some Spider Man tickets. I gotta like, go see Spider Man. I mean, rich people do this stuff but i and it, i just think it's because i don't I, and i don't know who's buying but i and I, I don't i don't necessarily assume in this country that it's rich i just think that there are these people who have put a valuation on this thing based on this system and cap this system of capitalism that's been at work bless its heart for so long that they we people there are people that just see the world this way to be the biggest fastest tallest strongest at any cost because that is more valuable than you know any in this moment <laughs> This is the most valuable thing. Well, thrill-seeking behavior. It's a thrill. like, mm -hmm. And they just run out of thrills. So, um, you know, I don't know. Am I, I ha I'm having a short story published in an anthology next spring, which is a huge breakthrough for me because all my fiction has been put on the shelf. 
So I'm going to finish the collection that it's to be a part of because it's an anthology. So I still have the rights, but mm -hmm. I'm like really pissed off. It's all sports related, young adults, teens, sport American style, but I'm really pissed off about this minor league baseball thing. They don't even get minimum wage because they don't pay them for training or all. The so I would write, like I would try and say something that resonated in a short story about a high school kid in minor league baseball. Um, and the best thing I've ever read uh, was beyond nonfiction, beyond fiction, the collection of Gary Smith's um, Beyond the Game. He wrote mm -hmm. for Sports Illustrated for years. And he did something that transcended fiction and nonfiction. So that's a collection of some of his stories. And a lot of a number of them were about young adults. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them actually moved me like it's still within me. Mm -hmm. um because it was a young woman that went to the same college as my mom and she had my mother was a humanitarian and this amazing woman that died at 29 and i was like this similar spirit and mm -hmm. that story lives within me and i just want to throw something totally around but paris winningham i really hope he wins on the voice because his voice mm -hmm. i feel it in my heart it's just hard to explain mm -hmm. That's but how it is like with uh, some some singers, you know. Yeah, you it's hit, just you like you hear a song or a voice, and it just you know it really hits you. It grips you. I uh, want to know who this is, and then um, um, what's I going to say? And and I think things like the voice are the upside of capitalism. Like I don't think it's all bad, but I think whatever comes together to say we should put this show on TV to so that so that artists may connect and communicate with the world, what you know whether whether it is an affirmation or a challenge to capitalism without that. So I'm, I'm, I'm about to look him up. Cause I'm just like, or is, is, is it a he? <laughs> He's in the top five. They vote next Monday, but I, I hate to say I had a sinking realization. It uh, money does play a part in it because of those that are in the top five, one, they said their song is um, like number four on YouTube. I'm like, I have a good ear. It's like, okay, you got, they come from money. They got expensive PR. <laughs> you know? So I'm yeah. like, crap. I hadn't even thought of that. Mm. Now, obviously, well, they're good. if they weren't good, no PR could. But, you know, I'm like, dang, like it's even playing a part in this nonsense that um, whatever. But he you feel his voice. And I'm not obviously I'm not alone. But is this um, the dude is this the dude that did the um, the really, really soulful version of um, the Golden Girls um, theme a few years ago? He went viral with it. He looks like that guy. I don't know, but he's on The Voice this year. He was in the yeah. Navy eight years. He's 33 years old. I see him. I see him. I, I, I um, Paris. I mean, and also the name Paris. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I love his Paris. beautiful name. I love Paris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've um, actually had the pleasure. I got to teach French last spring. That was so much fun because I just, my mom was a French and Spanish professor. I used to speak French. Mm -hmm. And so just Paris is like, no, but it, it's funny because then I started, he reminded me of Eddie Vedder a little, even though he's a soul singer. And I was like, mm -hmm. what is it? It's that grippingness that mm -hmm. I get when I hear Eddie Vedder too. That just, oh my God, you know. Um, well, I, I want to hear him so bad. And I, I, <laughs> I, like I'm sitting he here. He did like, Use Me. He did, um, oh. Oh, okay, Use And he's done, I, I'm you know, I, I should be able to, because what's going on? That was my favorite by Marvin oh, Gaye. He did that one. Um, 
Okay. On, on that note, we're we're definitely gonna have to bring you back another time because we're about out of time. Okay. But we do want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, do you have any shows coming up or any uh, anything you want to promote? Uh, please, I please uh, let the say, audience know. You know, my book is on Amazon, um, Intact, Untangle the Web of Bipolar, Depression, Addiction, and Trauma. And there are some light moments in there. Uh, memoir, information guides, and poetry, some newer. And then my website is driventotellstories.com about once a month. And it's really deep dive on the art business and craft of storytelling and creativity and depression uh seep into that beautiful thank you thank you for sharing that with us anybody else have any shows or anything coming up you want to promote or talk about really quick um let's see this sunday uh 8 30 late show in monterey park um having a good time toys for kids and that and then next third well let me see next oh no okay next thursday um unknown title but a fundraising show then next saturday hot medusa at comedy chateau and then sunday flappers blame it on the boogie three a show i produce and i'm i'm on uh we've got (laughs) Subba agarwal who's um i'm i don't think she knows she's the headliner but that's what i've made her because she's so amazing (laughs) Um, and then I just, I signed on for something else more. Like I'm, and then I'm kind of at my usual, the usual suspects. I'm at Flappers on the 22nd, um, doing the usual Wednesday night co-MC thing, but I'm also part of two shows at Flappers on New Year's Eve, Ooh. uh, the 31st. I just went ahead and said yes to those. I'm like, what else have I got to do? I don't know. Um, I haven't really <laughs> been invited any Flappers, uh, uh, all pretty much all month, I guess. And I'm, oh, and shameless plug. Cause I'll be plugging it hard. Um, Chocolate Sundays virtual impressions thingy, is all I can say, on the 20, I always get the date wrong, the 28th, which is a Wednesday, um, or so maybe the 29th then. I just know it's a Wednesday, that's all I know. Um, and so I'm just asking everybody, like, you know, if you, everybody who says that they, you know, miss Zoom shows a little bit, this is virtual. So, and we have no excuses. And for everybody, every everywhere, you don't have to live here. All the flapper stuff, I get it. It's in real life, but this one, um, <laughs> in real life. Uh, I just gotta virtually. get the info and I'll go. And I'll, I'll send go. it to you. And um, and I'm also doing the Electric Comedy Comedy Festival, the oh, twenty, the Utah one, right? Uh huh, Utah. So I think twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. Then I have shows on the. Let me see. I think I have shows on the twenty eighth and the 29th in in that. Those are in real life. I just know like the day of the chocolate Sundays. I've got a, uh, a show that afternoon at the festival at one p.m. and then I've got the virtual show that night. So nice. um, I'm overdue for my little <laughs> flyer. So y'all just follow me and come, you know whatever you can whatever. I want you all there at everything. That's that's where I can put it. <laughs> <laughs> how I just had a mental thought. I was like, y'all just go on the Instagram. But then I um <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, so it just looked I was in my own world. Um I've got a I've just got a I got a show coming up next week. Um uh, the Wonder Woman show at the Hollywood Comedy. Nice. Uh, always a fun time. You in Hollywood, you want to come and laugh and fellowship. Come through. There is a ticket price, but there's no drink minimum. And um, you can just have your little wine, have your little snacky snack, and enjoy yourself. Sounds good. Step Sounds what you good. Got coming up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, 
<laughs> what you got? Well, you know, a little Netflix, you know, change my socks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am working on new material currently. I am not quitting comedy Woo-hoo. for those who thought I would. And, uh, I'm coming back, baby. Um, <laughs> got a shave, you know, gets too long, too burly. Um, no shows coming up, just, uh, taking care of my kid and working on, uh, comedy stuff and getting my mental health in check. Uh, and, uh, I, need to do, I need to join your party. I need to do same. And I, I'm ashamed to say, I forgot. I'm in Claremont tomorrow. Oh, um, very nice. Doing a, um, so they, we're, um, we're, we're, we're filler. I'm happy to be filler, but we're filler. So there's, there's a film festival and oh, they just want comedians up there jabbering away. As people mill about between, mm. oh okay, Very I'm nice. the I'm on I'm on Jabber Away team. I'm on Jabber Away team. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, so I'm so I'm doing uh, 15 minutes of clean tomorrow. Nice. 3:40 or 4:40 in the afternoon. Nice. nice, very nice. I will say this really quick though before we do sign off, I'm very excited for uh, December 22nd because the Matrix, baby. Sorry, right. All right, and we're gonna see Plus the Oracle again. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> All right, so I won't lie, I'm excited for December 25th. Oh, Sting 2. Oh my gosh, you mean the, there's a sink? Okay, what are we talking about? The animated sink? Oh, you guys okay. know? oh, oh yeah, part two. part two. Okay, sting. I thought you said you were it's going a- to see Sting. I was like, oh, oh, no. oh. I, I love. The first <laughs> that might be no, a good Christmas movie. No, I know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'll take my daughter. I'm gonna take my daughter to see. Uh huh. And then there's a sing too. Oh, I yeah. that I love this. I own. Well, she it. liked Just it. So she liked I it. I own it. I gotta take her to see part two. It's really, <laughs> it must be really good if they're releasing it on Christmas Day because all of the Christmas Day movies are are bangers always. That's right. Sing too, man. That's all I can tell you. Anyway, I feel like. I'm excited. Lots coming up. Yes. So thank Sasha, you. Sasha, so wonderful. I feel like Sasha, I feel like have we not met before? I don't know. I yes, like... at Dow. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. That's what a I few was like. times, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Because I'm like, <laughs> it just feels like we're all ships passing like all the time. <laughs> um, but anyway, oh, so yeah. good to see you and good to have you on, sis. Yes, well, thank, thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll see everybody uh the week after next. All right. So everybody take care. Have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night.